0: this. Today we have the privilege of being guided by the insightful Sean Harbinger as we delve into the fascinating topic, hope in the digital age, navigating a future with AI optimism. Sean brings a wealth of expertise and is passionate about digital dignity. Without further ado, let's dive in to this enlightening conversation. Take it away, Sean.
1: In a world where technology continues to redefine the way we live, work, and connect, AI stands at the forefront of transformation. But what exactly is AI? Well, think of it as the digital brain power that enables computers to perform tasks that once seemed exclusive to human intelligence. From powering voice assistants that schedule appointments with a simple command to analyzing vast amounts of data for groundbreaking scientific discoveries, AI is the invisible force propelling us into the future. Now, you might be wondering, why are we talking about AI on Echo This? Well, the answer lies in its potential to amplify hope and cultivate opportunity for everyone. This episode is all about exploring the multifaceted impact of AI on various aspects of our lives as we engage in meaningful conversations with remarkable individuals whose journeys intersect with this technology marvel. Ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and visionaries, welcome to an electrifying episode of Echo This, empowering conversations of hope and opportunity. Thank you for joining us and having me on your show. I'm Sean Harbinger. I'll be your guide on this exploration into the realm of AI data ownership and the boundless potential that lies before us. My journey carved through the bustling streets of Hollywood and in the innovation, innovation epic epicenter uh, of Silicon Valley has been a dynamic dance between creativity and technology. From my days as a creative director at Electronic Arts where I molded worlds through digital artistry to my current role as a Web3 consultant where I delve into a decentralized future that beckons us Storytelling has been my North Star. You see, my friends, there's a revolution brewing, a revolution in data. In a world where technology permeates every facet of our lives, the power to own our data becomes more than a right, it becomes a beacon of autonomy. Yet, people don't think of themselves in terms of the data we create. So what do I mean by data? Every time we interact with online tools, we record a bit of ourselves, be it a geological location, website address, form, social media post, like, or even our own heartbeats. These pieces of data combine in an abstract way to describe who we are. I like to call this the picture of you in data. And it couldn't be more of an asset in our ever ad saturated digital environments. this is where my tagline comes in. If you don't own your data, someone else does. Join me as we embark on a riveting conversation, I hope, with extraordinary individuals, no doubt, each holding a piece of the puzzle that is data ownership. Together, we'll unearth the potential of AI, the promise of personal data as a currency, and the quest to shape a digital identity that aligns with our values and aspirations. Hello, ladies.
2: Hi, Sean. Good morning.
1: Good
3: morning, Sean. Great to see you. The regular crew is here, and I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Amy Weishaus, part of the panel and co-founder of ECHO. And um, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm in over my head right now, putting my toe in the water, trying to make some sense of AI.
4: And I'm so glad Sean is here to help us out. My pleasure. I'm Michaela. I guess I'll jump in. I'm an author and speaker, and I am here to learn as well. Am i very much like Amy, learning on this new frontier. I personally speak on how to go from surviving to thriving in life, navigating through the doors in life.
2: And I'm Lisa Jones, a speaker, consultant, and author that leverages the power of humor, gamification, and play as fueled to enhance collaboration, increase engagement, and maximize productivity. Glad to be here. Excited for this episode.
0: And I'm Debbie Wimberly, a health quality advocate. I'm very excited for this segment. Uh, I look forward to understanding and helping to create and move AI into helping us understand how to take better control of our health and be engaged with our bodies
1: ourselves. All right. Feeling that excitement. This is great. Amy, we're going to have to uh, get you to relax, take a deep breath, <laughs> take it all in. AI, is, uh, this is, is a, it's a big topic. And uh, actually, Michaela, I would really like to start the conversation off with you. Okay. Knowing that right. you're a mom and an mm-hmm. artist and a person with disability that is that is an awful lot to cope with and i'm looking at ai in an optimistic way but i understand that there are other viewpoints and i would like to know knowing that there's a great potential on the horizon and not wanting to downplay it too much what are your what are your observations about how ai can be helpful in your life and can you demonstrate a, a, a challenge that ai can help you with
4: uh, that's a very good question um i think there's just like in life it's never just one thing and there's usually multifaceted. it's just about anything we can talk about so from my perspective of the question you proposed sean I see that there's a couple of point, uh, parts to that. Um, there is the disability aspect, which I can speak to, and then there's what I would do personally, and then there's probably what I would actually hold to the ethic eth- ethic. Ugh, I can't say the word the ethics of it. Sorry, y'all. Or the morality piece of a philosophical and ideological debate we could have. I will take um, the approach from an artist standpoint and the disability first and then see where we go from there. Um, I'm a writer, as I said, so I could see the value for writers and anyone who needs to use something to help create copy or word. Now, me personally, just because the way my own brain processes things, I actually like to bang it out and do it as I go. So I like to sit and and type and think through in my head, is that really what I want to say? So I choose to do it I guess what would be considered old school or old fashioned way as we jump into this very new um, ex- um, exploration, like you said. From a visual impairment, as I've said before on the show, I'm legally blind. From the disabled standpoint, I could see a new, num- if someone so chose in that community to use it, I could see a numerous value. Um, especially i'm not as up to date and i aware as these things as us. but if there was ever an aspect of audible where you could speak into it and do dictation then you would have no visual work whatsoever and it would really take the visual workload off of someone's plate who is visually impaired or legally blind or totally blind and you're just speaking like we prefer to do and um, but if you did have some form of sight and you were able to use it at all at this point before, whether there's diction or not or any audible con- component, you're still minimizing at least to a level of the visual work because you're typing in, I gather what is a prompt or a, few, a little bit of information and then you get a lot back. So even if you are still visually having to type it in. You're you're lessening the work from the sense of you always having to do everything. So I could see the value in it if someone wanted to go down that road to help aid in doing work that has been previously um, more of a challenge due to uh, visual limitations. And it probably would open up a huge wide range of opportunities for someone who has previously up until now struggled with that a great deal. I don't know if that makes sense or answers the question.
1: Absolutely, you know, it, it definitely will help ease the burden uh, of of many things from from an economical po- point of view. Uh, so, Amy, let's let's move on to, to now that you've heard some some hope uh, about the easement that AI represents. In your experience, I want to adapt this into your talk about joy. In your in your experience, does does memory affect your level of joy? And and if so, would it would AI's ability to surface these memories uh, poss- uh, uh, boost positive experiences in a in a cool and interesting way? Do you think?
3: I I so think Sean that this is a an absolutely amazing new frontier where that most definitely ai could assist in creating joy for countless people especially people who might not be in a a place or a physical ability in their lives maybe older people where they can't access uh the friends and family who've died before them or because of limitations geographically they can't travel and and this is what i'm thinking what if what if we can you tell me if it's possible what if we can put in a memory bank in ai where we input the most wonderful memories of our lives maybe it's something um where it was one of the amazing first dates or early on in our courtship and Um, We were out dancing and there was jazz music in the background and we were frolicking in the rain. And it was this amazing moment in our lives. And what if we could recreate that scene and scenes like it in AI and have them return to us as stories of our lives and dwell dwell in the joy of all those moments. Uh, I, I was actually talking about this with a friend and We know several people who are very needle phobic and and are really traumatized about having blood drawn or being on an IV. And we were thinking, what if we create could create a scenario where that person had the most amazing experience where it went so easily and it was just, wow. It was, there was no trauma. There was no fear about it. What if we could reinforce our fears and doubts and struggles with a memory of the past? that would remind us of the joy that existed and how we can move on in our lives. And I really do think, you know, some of us go to Hallmark movies or, or any movie where we vicariously, we imagine ourselves as the character, but there's still a barrier. That's not us. That's somebody totally different. What about if we made these little movies of joy, but we're the character, because AI is putting us in the role with our characteristics and our special memories, our special history. So does that sound far-fetched, or can I count on that in my old age?
1: Oh, I want to commend you for that vision. Uh, Wow, Uh, that's beautiful. And and absolutely, uh, as AI evolves and the space becomes more permeated with you know, our, our daily lives with social media and whatnot, certainly moments like those can be reconstructed. So I, I think your your idea it represents where the technology is going. I think you have your, your finger on the pulse uh, and, and uh, that, that does not surprise me.
3: Well, thank you because I'm getting excited thinking about, you know, my sister is gone, my parents are gone, um, I'm kind of a survivor. And I'd love to re-experience and reimagine the joy of my own reels, those reels of my life, where I'm the character. And I'm just getting excited about it because we never took those, you know, that old time Super 8 movies. We weren't a big video family. We don't have a lot of videos of the past. But isn't it wonderful that I could be in control of creating them and putting in the input to give me back a beautiful, beautiful heritage? Of joy and legacy.
1: Wonderful, absolutely. Uh, speaking of characters, uh, we have to pay a special visit to Alice in Wonderland here, Debbie. Uh, given, given your experience in in alternate realms, in in the endocannabinoid system, how might AI-powered personal medicine contribute? to our overall health.
0: Thank you, Sean. I think that you said something at the beginning about picture of you that I will talk about first. And there's only one you. And we do not, um, like Amy said, you know, we capture snapshots of people. um, We capture movie reels of people at a specific time, but we do not capture our health overall long-term. Uh, we have a snippet from a doctor's report from something else. Um, just now learning, as we've been learning, well, been learning about the ECS since like the like 1990s, that's when it was first discovered. And understanding that that's a vital system that relates and communicates with every system in your body. I wanna know how that works. And if AI, if we look at the way that that technology is working right now, if you wear an Apple watch, it can tell you how often your heart beats. It can tell you how, how long you slept, those things. Let's take that to the next step. What if it can tell you everything that's happening within your body? I think that is critical because I want to know, like right now I'm dealing with some serious health condition, don't know what it is. And there are signs that occur long before I get to the place where I am now. And if AI could help pinpoint those issues up front, we could maybe head it off, figure out what it is that's working with it and making that change so that we could address whatever it is. AI could actually help us pinpoint those things. And with the ECS, we only have so many receptors in our body at a specific time of day. I would like to know, is there a day that I'm more deficient than others and I need more? Whatever does it take to make that happen? These are things that are possible if we use AI for, for good. And, you know, one of the things that I'll use in as an example here, because <laughs> Sean works in a realm of trying to move this forward and for us to move AI forward and talk about digital dignity and preserving your dignity. Um, Just think about, I had knee surgery when I was 16. And at that time, they had to do the old type surgery where they slit your leg completely open, did it. I was in the hospital for six days. And then technology came around when I needed to have that kind of surgery again in 1985. And it was arthroscopic because technology had advanced so much. That they were able to make two little slits in my knee. I was only in. I didn't even stay in the hospital overnight. I was at home. I was on crutches just like the first time. The repair still needed to to happen, but I will take that surgery over the first surgery any day. And it's that's what technology can do. And if we can use it for good it will bring us to a place where we can actually improve po- quality of health for individuals no matter where you live because you should have the data bank of your own health and what's happening inside of you.
1: Wow, beautiful. Uh, absolutely, and I, c- I couldn't agree more. What if your data could be made available to a cutting-edge research facility that, that could make you know the, the, the antivirus or whatever, the cure... That is powerful, that is powerful uh, i i I think using AI for good is an important note here, and getting things well made and having that good energy is what I consider a key fundamental of fun and there's no one funner here than Lisa Jones. so I would like to I would like to ask you, Lisa, as you're a gamification expert, how, how do you see AI uh, integrated into creative, immersive, and engaging experiences that encourage positive behaviors and, and habits?
2: Yes. Well, great question, Sean. Picture this. AI is like your ultimate co-op buddy in the game of life. So if you think about it like that, that's a good starting place but it's really the sidekick that knows your every move, the secret decoder that turns challenges into fun quests, and the high five buddy when you level up in real life skills. So for example, imagine your fitness journey. AI can be your personal fitness coach, but instead of a whistle, it's got motivational gifts and a celebratory dance move for you. It tracks your progress like a loyal sidekick and when you hit your goals, it throws a virtual confetti party in your honor or another example would be think about learning a new language ai can turn learning a new language into an adventure for you it gives you quests to complete like ordering coffee in spanish hola that's about the only thing i can say in spanish or negotiating a deal in french that's how i would start my negotiation there and again four years in french probably can Can negotiate with my French book maybe. Really, when you succeed, it rewards you with points, badges, and maybe even a digital trophy for showing off your language and into skills. So think of all these possibilities, but if you think about the grand game of life, AI really is your trusty co-op partner. It can help make positive behaviors and habits, and it can make it fun, just like playing a video game. And with AI by your side, you can unlock achievements and conquer challenges, really like a superhero. So that is my answer to that question, Sean.
1: <laughs> yes, muy bien, uh, bien sûr. Uh, uh, that is wow. Leveraging the the power of incentives to gamify life is there an end to that? Does that, that can you just do that forever? I think
2: so. And as the capabilities become more and more, I it just. The, it, to me, the capabilities are endless. The possibilities, I should say, are endless of what you can do with it. So I'm excited to, to see the future. We have I to work mean, with it, though.
1: I, I might need that AI to uh, get to the run a marathon level. I, I, I need those motivations and those celebrations <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, now that we've had a round of conversation, uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, make another round and see what we've learned, see if there's any follow-ups, uh, how we can uh, look at AI in a positive way, acknowledging the risks and the difficulties and the legal challenges in some cases, but how we incorporate this into our lives to help us with the burden uh, that we carry, uh, you know, as parents, as As students, as professionals, juggling all of that, Uh, and so, Michaela, I, I, I guess I got to ask: Have you been tempted to use AI? Nope. (laughs) Nope.
4: I'm being honest. I mean, I mean, it sounds like we're talking about all the possibilities are great, but like I said, I personally. and this I gets to the more philosophical, ideological, morality, and ethics for me, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I trust my brain. Um, I don't know. I think that that's not to say that these questions won't be answered, and then some of us that are more on the um, not sure side won't come to some meeting of the minds at some point, but while there's a lot of ambiguity and unsure of how we're going to tackle all of these questions and potential obstacles of ai of the legality and who owns what and the protection of integrity and you know like in the academia world of not having rampant plagiarism and you know all the things that people are probably wondering about um until that gets settled i'm probably going to be watching and observing and reserving judgment
1: (laughs) are you watching the strikes in hollywood
4: yeah, I've heard about it, but I mean, like you said, I'm a mom and all the other things, so I'm pretty busy, so I don't get to stay on top of it as much as I'd like, honestly.
1: But yeah, I'm aware.
4: I there would be issues with it coming, because like I said, are, I, are editors and, and other people who do the other parts of the writing process really going to have a job anymore at this point? <laughs> and, how do, and if they even if they use it to an extent, at least to start maybe a storyboard or something, or the beginning stages of it. How are you going to protect what's their final product? You know, or are you just going to give it to the robots and artificial intelligence? I don't know. I'm not here to be a naysayer. It's just things that I would like to see answered. And I think because we're at the beginning of all of this and all learning together, there's questions to be answered and got to see where it goes.
1: Indeed. Yeah. We got to, we got to be patient. Um, uh, you you raise great points these are very valid arguments i think they need to be asked and time will tell we, we simply don't have enough experience with it and it has yet to impact many industries speaking of amy i'm coming back to you with a with a news item there's an ai that can reconstitute an image from your from your brain it can it can reconstitute on a monitor an image that you're seeing this brings up the idea of digitizing our memories to the next level so i want to ask in anticipation of ai perusing your memories are you okay with that
3: i'm extremely open to that idea i really love it because you know, I mentioned before, not being in a highly technolo- technological uh, childhood or even early adulthood, I don't have concrete movies or CDs of my, my past joys. So I would love to have, I would give input of this little blonde blue-eyed boy on the beach at Cape Cod, all alone, gathering shells and making little channels in the sand so that the little sea creatures that he was so fascinated with could trickle on the beach and you know that image of my son barry i would love to capture that i would love to see that again i know we have a little tiny you know three by three photograph which we used to have to send away to be developed (laughs) in those days and wait a week till the film was developed you know i would love to have images of my teaching years my teaching career and have um you know input i'd like to see the boys in the wigs playing the shakespearean actors and playing romeo and juliet and all the fun they had getting shakespeare and the culture then when they were acting out the scenes from to kill a mockingbird or as i said romeo and juliet so i i could see those that perusing of my memories with the input of my shaping that product that I want to see, I I can see that being a a tremendous sense of joy and um, rekindling those beautiful parts of my life, especially with people that are no longer here to engage with. That would bring back a well-being, a euphoria, you know, all those good um, endorphins and all those good... um, the dopamine and the serotonin and all that, you know, that a smile creates that, that sense of happiness and joy recreate. I think it would be a boon to our health and I, I would love it.
1: Wow. Uh, All those future product designers who stumbled onto this episode, you, you hit the gold mine, didn't you?
3: (laughs) I want a piece. (laughs) I want my data protected.
1: (laughs) No, absolutely. Uh, that's a beautiful that's a beautiful image. I guess I guess there's the question that I kind of want to bat to Lisa or get Lisa's input in as well is when you add a positive feedback loop, in other words, when your memories can be perused and you're encouraging you know, you want to share those memories. You want to recreate those memories, and you preserve them, of course. Uh, so, so when you gamify, end up gamifying because the TikToks of the future are these immersive memories that are triple A plus, beautiful moments that anyone can absorb. Uh, do and and, and encouraging what you've already seen encouraged in this space. People framing their lives a certain way in order to appear a certain way. Uh, and and I'm not trying to elaborate on establishing false memories. I'm simply asking when we add the positive feedback loop to the digital memory landscape, and we're encouraging ourselves to have these incredible life experiences is, is this, is this within your scope, within your field of vision or, or is this going too far?
0: I don't think it,
2: at this point it's going too far. I think there's a balance I think it's all about balance. How can we balance it? Because it goes to, it basically goes to content generation, right? So, as AI can continue to generate creative content, and the photos are one of those things, so is art, music, and stories. So, I think it's just a matter of ba- balance. But I, I get your point that you're saying with social media, like, not everything appears to be the way it is so i think it's just a matter of i think we're going to still continue to see that like you'll go on social media and see like oh this person's life seems perfect but then you talk to that person and they're like no that's just the photos but really behind the scenes like they're going through a divorce for example so i think it's there's a story behind like kind of like amy talks about sitting the person next to you there, there's person sitting next to you like you don't know about that person right you can We can't judge a book by its cover. And that's something that's been going on for I don't know how long. And it's the same thing with this. So it's the same concept. You really have to get to know the person behind the photo, behind the AI generated photo or whatever it is. So I think it's balance and getting to know the full story. We still have to do
1: our detective work per se. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I I, I see you extrapolated perfectly from my point. I, I... I would like to allow Amy to get some input in here as well because I, I feel like when we're in this space of memory trading, right? We've we've made our memories uh, e-commerceable. <laughs> uh, we we influence a desire to fortify positives and. D- disincentivize or negate negatives, right? We don't want to have. We want this is logical. We want to have the best time. Do we, in doing this, do we erase a critical component of joy? do Do we need the Do we need the uh, an environment for for joy to evolve from or within? This is too abstract of a question.
3: Well, it's interesting because as abstract as it is and as lost in my own thoughts as I am, as you're speaking, (laughs) there has to be some convergence here. Um, I want to go back to something Michaela said about how easy it would be um, if people who had visual impairments could rely on AI and speak into it. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, that would be a major breakthrough. And then all this wonderful content that they can't generate as easily as as the seeing world, that would be at their fingertips to enhance their lives. And I'm thinking as you're talking, yes, the environment is within us. And that's my main platform that joy is in us. And I really think that the AI can amplify that joy in ways we've yet not tapped into i think that's a a wonderful field of exploration and limitless possibilities i was thinking as an english teacher about creating a digital journal a journal on ai where we're sharing our thoughts and ai can analyze data and patterns patterns in our thoughts and i was thinking Wouldn't that be interesting because we could get back feedback, almost like um, Lisa said, our sidekick, you know, almost like an alter ego or somebody who's taking the best of us and articulating it in ways that we feel, but we can't do it. Debbie knows what I'm talking about because, you know, there are times we've said we're trying to capture saying something, but we don't have the right words. Well, AI can give us the words, and then we can soar based on that. And we're creating that environment from ourselves. I um, I came across a really interesting quote this morning. I was a student of the 60s in college. And there was a Canadian thinker and philosopher. He was a professor um, in his later years at the University of Toronto. His name was Marshall McLuhan. And he was the foremost architect of modern media theory he actually coined the word the global village you know he's he was big big in those days and um i found a quote and uh, you know he said that the modern media disrupts our tradition and reshapes our social life and he said we become what we behold We shape our tools, and thereafter, our tools shape us. And when you think about that, I think part of our conversation here, whether we're for or against or totally not sure and in the middle about AI, I think we all sense, just like when the Internet was new, it's meant for the good of people, and we want to be able to still shape and control whatever you know the frankenstein that it creates at the end of the process you know that's what we want to harness so um i really think we have a very big responsibility and um obligation here to really follow what's going on and see how we as the layman and the consumer and the con- and the creator can really safeguard us and that's what this discussion is all about so you know it's expanding me, and I'm hoping people are are not going to bury their heads in the sand, but say, yeah, you know, we, we can learn this in little increments. We can get glimmers of understanding.
1: Wow, there's a lot to grasp onto there. That Marshall McEwen quote is, is of course, so so relevant. Uh, AI is a, a medium unto itself and will absolutely change us. Uh, there's there's no question uh, and and we'll create yet more tools. And with regard to safeguarding and our personal data, our medical histories, Debbie, I'd like to I'd like to ask you, what do you what do you think are the next steps? Like how do we get to the future from here? Thank you,
0: Sean. Uh, First, I think we have to learn how to own our own selves. We need to learn how to be in charge for our own selves. I think that um, protecting my data and knowing that I have the ability to put it where I want it versus me giving it to some other data bank to hold and to store when it comes to my medical information, and then I don't have access to it when I need it, that's not helpful. Um, I want to be able to collect a memory bank as amy says uh one of the things that i look at is how um in life all of us sitting here had major events that have happened in our life and we remember those but there's also a lot of little events that happen in our life and i guarantee you the major ones if i ask you to recall some tiny events that happened in your life that could probably provide you with tools access to help you move forward don't exist and aren't as readily available in your mindset because you're so focused on the big things, especially when you're talking about your health, living in chronic health for over three decades now. um, So many of the little things that could probably provide me some hope and opportunity right now don't exist sometimes because they got overshadowed by some very major health issues that were occurring. And I would love to have a bank that I could reflect on, not relying on someone else, not relying on somebody else's words, that I could see that I got to enjoy something. I got to be a part of something because you get removed from that when you live in chronic health. And so advocating for your health, advocating for access to your information, advocating for as much information as you can get about your internal works, You know, we spend so much time focused on how we look on the outside. What am I going to wear? What's my hair look like? What's my makeup? I'm very guilty of this myself. But I want to know what works inside. Because that's what, I'm an ecosystem. And I'm designed to take care of myself. But when something starts to falter, then it becomes out of balance. And I can't make that work. So my goal is that we start putting together the tools that we can actually start narrowing in and gathering that information for yourself individually don't you know you get to decide where that goes you don't give it to someone else to decide where it goes
1: that's such an important point you're touching on an ownership problem that i take as a challenge to solve how do we aggregate that data that can give us those granular insights, the smallest things. I, I hit my hand the other day. It would have been helpful to know what exactly I, I hit it on, although I think it was the edge of a door. Uh, and so I completely relate to this. Now I, I wanna ask you, Debbie, What, how, how would you expect to get someone to value this data? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to value
0: it yourself. You have to understand the value of what you are. This is something I speak to on a... Everybody here knows I speak about this a lot. You only get one life and you only get one health. So, you know, you need to learn to protect that. That's something we're not taught. We're not taught from the time we're born to know how to protect your health. We're given some tools along the way, which is diet, exercise... Uh, surrounding yourself with um, like-minded people that encourage you, that kind of thing, good relationships. But we don't really look into and understand what it is to take care of yourself. And I think that first and foremost, you have to value your own self and you have to value the data that you have. Once you can do that, then you can put, I mean, it'll be well documented i hope that's what my hope is i mean doctors right now rely on a piece of paper of somebody that got an ultrasound and what it shows so if we can actually show how all of this stuff came from your internal system registering then they should be able to trust that as well so it's you know you've got to but you have to have the ownership of it you you need to have the ownership of it because it's you and You know, we spend so much time trying to be like other people. Just embrace who you are. Embrace who you were designed to be. We're all unique and individual. And I want to own that. And I want everybody else to own that. That's why I advocate. I want you to understand the value of you. And when you have that information in your hand, I believe you will understand the value of you, even more so than you do today.
1: That's right, because you're taking care of yourself. You're using... This is data to inform your decisions. You're you're just living the best you. I I feel like this is a good rejoinder for Michaela on an ethical philosophical level. Uh, I I would like your feedback as well on on the importance of this data ownership concept. Well,
4: I agree. I think that's going to be a huge. Piece of the puzzle and i'd like to say two things that i one i think will tie into this other one i was thinking about when um amy was talking for any one of you who are parents out there remember the movie i don't know if it was disney or pixar or whatever who knows i can't keep up with who makes them uh inside out and they were always talking about the core memories and going down all those different things to tap into them so it made me think of that those images from that movie when we're talking about creating a memory bank i don't know if lisa remembers it or not or if She was having to watch it at that point when it was out, but I don't know, it was probably five years ago. But as far as the morality and the ethics, I think this really comes down to, or at least part of the piece of this puzzle is going to be anything in life is about how we choose, what we choose to do with it, how we choose to manage it, how we choose to intentionally use something. I mean, you could make an argument from any, it's always been said that it's not the item or the the uh, entity itself but it's how you use it whether it be a gun an internet um they probably were worried about it when the printing press came out all those centuries ago i mean a book is innocent enough in itself it's but, but what you put in it or how you use it i mean we could say t- our phones, our smartphones are amazing things, but we have worry about how much time we spend on social media or being too tied into our phones. So it's not the phone itself. It's not social media itself. It's how we intentionally choose to use it and to what degree of moderation and balance and being good stewards of our own actions and how we choose to use whatever issue or item we're talking about, whether it be AI, whether it be, I don't know, spending too much time on a phone or our kids on social media or, you know, screen time or you know the type of music that we let our kids listen to or you know video games are great but you know you still have to be conscientious and mindful of whatever you know there was this thing growing up that said whatever you put into your mind, garbage in garbage out so it's it was still that idea of choice and intentionality and I don't think AI is going to be any different and I think that's going to be a huge way and piece of how we learn to navigate this we've given this new potential opportunity or some people might view as an obstacle but whichever way you view it how we use it or how we're intentional and choose it is going to be a big game piece uh player in this of how well it goes for all of us i don't know if that makes sense or answer your question i think that's going to be affected by the ethics and morality of it
1: absolutely you know there's so much to consider it's a it Again will permeate every area of our lives from our memories to our our health and It'll help us in our daily tasks Bar not we, we have no way to measure how this is going to benefit us entirely, but when it comes to intentionality Who wouldn't want to have the best time with it? So you know, when I say those words, I'm coming back to you, Lisa. I, I want to know, is this, are we going to have fun? Are, are, you know, Michaela's bringing these heavy, very real points that are that are intimidating and make this subject feel cumbersome. Are, are we going to get through this? How, how are we going to gamify our AI experience?
2: Well, I think we can pretty much gamify anything. So why should AI be different? AI can be tons of fun. Like I was talking about earlier, it's like having your digital playmate that can engage in all sorts of entertaining activities. So just a few examples to name a few. Of course, the first thing in gamification is games, right? AI can create, play, and even enhance games. And you're talking classic video games to interactive storytelling adventures. Like you can have AI help you with that. It can make these gaming experiences more enjoyable, and it can also add more challenge. You can also say make it more challenging, and then of course, which already exists is those conversational AI, the chatbots and the virtual assistants that we currently see. I have a lot of fun with Siri and Alexa because you can ha- you can say stuff, and every once in a while, my my phone. Debbie was talking about the Apple Watch. My Apple Watch will say, what did you say? And like, it messes something up and then it becomes a joke. So that's how you can really engage in the playful banter. It tells jokes and it can even sing songs. So that's adding a fun element to your day. And then we already talked about content generation, but really the next thing I would mention would be personalization because AI has the capability to tailor entertainment recommendations. So if you think about platforms like Netflix or Spotify, it already uses AI to suggest movies or music that you might enjoy based on your preferences, right? So you see all kinds of things populate and you're like, hey, well, how'd they know they like that? Is because AI. And then of course we can't forget about education because AI can make learning fun. And if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. So we have educational apps and platforms and they can incorporate gamification elements. You can do fun quizzes, you can give rewards and that really makes the learning more engaging. And then there's the AI-driven robotics, the robots that can perform tasks, which we're starting to see more and more of. People have robot pets. It's designed for entertainment and theme parks. If you think about the last trip to theme park, that's becoming more robotic. And then creativity tools. There's those image editors we were talking about earlier because that really makes creative work more enjoyable. So all those kind of things... It really just isn't about productivity and efficiency, Sean. It really can bring a lot of joy and entertainment into our lives, too.
1: All right. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, I'm excited for everyone. I think this has been... important to talk about it get the concerns and the and the positives you know it balances the key integration of ai and entertainment and engagement uh, can add new dimensions of enjoyment and that, that's exceptional i i, I really want to use amy's app i, I want to get into the memory re- recording what what do you what are you going to call this app are you bringing uh, are you bringing memories rs to the market?
3: Oh my, I have to I have to start brainstorming and thinking about it more, but um, it's, it's about legacy. It's about, um, you know, th- think about how we could even share these with grandchildren or, you know, if we don't have grandchildren, um, you know, people who um, would like to know more about us, you know, um, wh- what's my lineage? What were the people that uh, came before me and my family? Debbie's benefited a lot from going into her Macmillan heritage about the family, one of her family names. And um, wouldn't it be wonderful if if we could create a legacy bank of memories? And I think it's something that could be very educational and um, it could be an ethical and a moral legacy that we could create. I once saw a show, um, it, it seems, so far-fetched but there was a man who televised his his um a, um a virtual will on TV and he was talking to his whole family and his corporate co- partners and everything and it left a lasting image in my mind because televising video like that was a new use for television it you know the new medium the the, the new medium always is has in it the content of the old so radio was the content of tv it was talking pictures this is also marshall McLuhan. Um, film became television became film film became cds cds became you know (laughs) um ai so if you see that progression it's very interesting in the history of media and that was fascinating for me to see this man You know, like giving um, an ethical will about his values, his legacy to his whole family. And it's kind of like AI can make that possible on a broad scale, not just something that seemed so fantastic on TV 25 years ago.
1: Isn't that amazing? So AI coupled with data ownership has the power to reshape our perception of possibilities. Uh, Debbie, what do you you see as... uh, a critical frontier in this space for you?
0: I love this conversation and everything that we've talked about today. And I, one of the things I want to ask people, there's some, there's a number of people that will be listening to this that will be able to relate to this. There's a number of people that may not be able to, but remember when networking technology was first brought to, to mind and you were told that you were going to be able to log onto a computer and, Talk to somebody in another state, in another country, and everybody freaked out about this technology and how, how is this going to impact us and all of that? And now look what technology from understanding the technology of networking has done for us. It has opened up doors. Yes, there's some guidelines that need to be set around any technology that we create. But I think that, you know, allowing yourself to understand advancement is how we all get better is how we improve, how we take this world to the next place. Um, I don't know that everybody wants to live forever, but if you could add 15 good years to your life because you had access to information prior to getting so sick that it would eliminate that for you, it eliminates high costs if we do that. Maybe insurance company won't like this. Maybe the medical community won't like this. But I guarantee you, when we take something away, something else replaces it. That's something that time and time again, it has taught us, especially when it comes to health. If we figure out one thing in health and how to fix it, something else occurs. And then we need to figure that out. So don't think that we're replacing people or replacing what needs to happen. We need to think about how can we empower people to be better at their job? How can we empower a person To be better at being themselves. I think about this, and we've talked about this a lot, but education. Education on yourself is so important. Imagine being able to have something within you that says, "Uh uh-oh, I can tell that you're getting depressed. I can tell you're getting anxious. Let's see what we can do to notify you of that and give you some tools to make you keep you from getting there. Would that not be wonderful? Absolutely. You know, I think that the concept of what AI is potential to do and because I was part of the team that created networking, I can actually sit here and see the revolution of where this can go, how it can expand, how we can all improve sitting here. Anybody listening, there is something good for you in AI if you learn how to use it for good, but you need to own your own data. You need to have access to it. Don't give it away. Don't share it unless you want to share it. I want the ability to be able to control who has access to my data.
1: Wow. Wise wise words of empowerment. A great way to close this conversation. Ladies, uh, thank you so much for having me. I, I learned a lot. I'm, I'm taking in these ideas and already seeing a new and better future than the one I saw before. I think this is going to magnify with every conversation we have. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Echo This, empowering conversations of hope and opportunity. Connect with us on social media at echo, the number two, gather, G-E-T-H-E-R have a question you would like us to answer don't hesitate to drop your questions in our inbox at echo together at gmail.com until we meet again take care remember your voice matters we hope you join us again next week for another inspiring conversation stay curious stay empowered and keep the conversation going echo 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 echo
3: echo
0: Echo,
1: echo. Echo, echo, echo. Echo, echo. Listen in for empowering conversations of hope and opportunity.